At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to the food police and hello to peace. Welcome to the Love Food Podcast, hosted by award-winning dietitian and food behavior expert, Julie Duffy Dillon. This authentically engineered series is in the form of a love letter, welcoming you to reconnect with food. Now pour a cup of coffee or a margarita, and let's begin. Hi, and welcome to episode 16 of the Love Food Podcast. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and food peace promoter. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for connecting today. And today's episode, we will be discussing ways to further cultivate body respect and trusting that eating style that comes from mindful and intuitive eating and just working towards more attunement and compassion. But before we get to our letter for today's episode, I want to tell you how grateful I am. And as, as I'm talking right now, I have to let you guys know. Um, I'm taping this at my office at Birdhouse Nutrition Therapy, and as I'm talking, I keep hearing the stomping on my ceiling, which is weird, I know, but I think they're trying to fix the heating system. So I am taping this in the end of April, and I live in the South, I I live in North Carolina, and so all of a sudden it's turned into like summer-like weather, and it seems like every year at my office, the heating system goes out. So we have been uh, boiling in here, (laughs) quite literally. So um, they're taking the opportunity at this point, exactly what I'm recording, to um, try and fix it. So if you hear some weird things that sound like men walking on the moon, well, they're just walking on my ceiling. But anyway, I want to let you know, amongst all this kind of um, chaos, that I am incredibly grateful for your letters. Um, I adore when I look into um, the account and I see a new letter pop up and I just feel so privileged to hear about your complicated relationship with food and I want more of them. I wanna hear about your experiences, binge eating, emotional eating, stress eating, um, your experiences with negative body image, um, struggles that you have with reconnecting to food or maintaining your recovery. I want to hear about it. So please be sure to send them to lovefoodpodcast at gmail.com. No letter is going to be weird or um, not enough of a concern. You know, all the letters I get have been just spot on and I can tell they are very helpful for those of you listening because of the feedback I'm getting. So I just want to know about your story, your experience, and I promise I will hold that letter with care and compassion and I hope to provide some solutions for you to help make those next steps. So let's get to today's letter and you're in um, store for a very um I think relatable experience with food when someone is trying to trust the process of eating with attunement and respecting their body. So let's hear this episode's letter.
Dear Food, I'm trying to learn to trust you. It's been hard. Growing up, I was always on the larger side. Near the top of growth charts, the top sizes in junior clothes, big boned, chubby. And so it wasn't surprising to me when well-intentioned family members encouraged me to diet as a teenager. I went on my first big diet at 18 and lost a bunch of weight quickly, which I then gained back in college. Next, I went through another round of dieting, this time tied to my health. After having to alter my diet for legitimate health reasons, I was introduced to the intoxicating idea that if I eat clean food or the perfect healthy diet, then my body will do what it naturally wants to do, be thin. I have been promised by health gurus that if I eat a healthy low-fat diet, I will naturally be thin. That if I eat a raw diet, I will have glowing skin and, oh yeah, be thin. That all I need to do is go on a week-long juice fast to be slender. That if I listen to my body and cravings, then I will suddenly drop 50 pounds. I've even had a nutritionist tell me, after me asking if my diet was a healthy one and what he thought of my weight, well, you do have some weight to lose, so you probably aren't eating a healthy enough diet. Fast forward to now. I am now nine months into my journey into health at every size, body positivity, and acceptance, and trying to repair my relationship with myself and food. It has been a really hard struggle and one I fight every day. I have accepted that restricting my food, even in the guise of being healthy, is not how I want to live anymore. That what I need to focus on instead is the self-love I show myself and that it's the system that's fucked up not me. But I still don't trust you, food. I see sugar lurking in you, which I have been told will not only rot my teeth, but poison my body. I worry about how much fat I'm eating in a meal, since I remember being told that eating less than 10% of my daily fat from calories is best. I worry about overeating, since I have read the way to honor my body is to only eat to exact fullness. I doubt my love of toast, since haven't you heard the ketone diet is the newest thing? I don't trust myself to know what food to eat and how much, and I don't trust you, food. So how can we repair this relationship? How can I learn to trust you? Best, wanting to trust. Wanting to trust, thank you so much for your letter. And I want you to trust food too. From reading your words, I can tell you have had quite an extensive, tumultuous relationship with food. And I certainly hope that I can help you make some next important steps. And it sounds like from what you're doing right now, you're on a really important health promoting path to respecting your body. And what I'm getting the sense of right now is that your mind and body are trying to reconnect and rekindle their relationship and ways to communicate. Yet maybe the mind is still trumping the body. The mind is important when we make food choices, but it's not the only decision maker. I feel like our our body and our soul also should have equal kind of say in how we decide what to eat and how to move our body. And right now, yeah, it sounds like your your brain's kind of trumping everything. 
So I really want to call a friend. Um, there is a dietitian. Her name is Blair Mize, and she's one of the owners of Memphis Nutrition Group. And I have a feeling she'll have some really important, wise insight into how to further cultivate this trust that you're longing for. And, um, you know, one thing I'm really curious about, like if you were sitting in front of me, letter writer, I would, I would want to know, does this way of relating to food and your body, does it mirror anything else in your life? Um, I wonder if, um, if you also find yourself having a hard time trusting your instincts or making decisions and, um, feel like you always have to have all the answers before you make a move. Um, I'm, I'm just curious if this is mirroring something else, but I'm going to have to sit with that curiosity and let's call Blair. Hello. Hey, Blair, it's Julie Duffy Dillon. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing so great. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day over in Memphis. And I hope you got a chance to read this letter from Wanting to Trust. I did. Oh, awesome. So what is, what's your impression with what she is needing? Well, um, like she said, she's really wanting to learn to trust her body again. And she's wanting to learn to trust food again. but. I really can't blame her. I mean, how and why would you be trusting your body or food if the message that you've been given by family and even other professionals throughout your life is that thin bodies are the only healthy, good bodies and that you, you know, must be eating wrong if you look any different from this arbitrary standard that our society society or our culture has set for for women and I think that's what made her letter so awesome is to see that she's already um, moving toward a place of body positivity and self-acceptance um, through the principles of health at every size and I think she just needs some encouragement um, on this road to beginning to trust her body and to trust food again oh I so agree and I feel like you said earlier you know, healthy, good bodies. And it seems like the message that this letter writer has gotten is that like big bodies are just not acceptable, whether it's like for health or for anything else. It just is like this overall message that um, at all costs, you know, hurt yourself. That's okay. Because once you're thin, that's when we're going to accept you. Um, and I hate right. that message, but I do feel like it's totally a cultural norm. And yeah, no wonder she doesn't trust or that she's having a hard time really um, kind of having this kind of consistent trust with her like relationship with food. Um, and I do, I think she's so brave to take these steps. Like she's really early in this part of like learning to respect her body. And um, I don't know, I, it, this like side that she has cultivated though with her brain of like the promises that diets will bring to her. I just think that is the one of the crappiest parts of diets is like this kind of seductive, really just fantasy that it's going to make everyone like be the big winner and be beautiful and the superstar and get everything, you know, um, it's like this big lie. And, you know, I, I, I totally could see now in like the health at every size part of her journey, she probably is seeing how that is just such a buzzkill, you know, how sad that really is. 
But mm-hmm. yeah, like when someone's in that place where they're like, okay, so I know dieting is not something that's going to give me that ultimate acceptance, but yet it's still so hard to trust. Is there anything that you have found that helps people to really cultivate that trust if they really want it? Well, you know, I think that the first part is really gaining more awareness of, um, of what's going on internally, because a lot of times we end up looking to our external world to guide our eating. And it's so important to begin um, looking to our internal world of, you know, how does our body feel knowing that not all bodies just naturally want to be thin, but because of this ideal, um, so to speak, that's promoted in our society, we somehow begin to think this must be true, that losing weight has to to lead to better health. And that if someone is living in a fat body, that they're considered unhealthy. And so the fact that she's becoming just more aware of the fact that her body is not broken and, um, and she can regain her trust um, in her body and begin to, to practice appreciation and gratitude for all that her body does um, and and all that it's taken her through. You know, she's been fed so many of these different um, messages. She's been given all kinds of misinformation and magic bullets throughout her life. And her body's been there with her the whole way. Um, and and it's not broken. And she's she's beginning to realize that. So I think really developing, you know, more awareness. And then um, I think if there were three, like, words that she could remember throughout this process would be flexibility, you know, with with her eating and with learning this new way of um, trusting her body and trusting food again, and then really being non-judgmental throughout the process, um, you know, knowing that the first time she experiments with new, new ways of eating or, um, new ways of, um, of focusing on, you know, how her body is functioning. Um, she's not going to hit a home run every time. And then also just giving herself permission, um, to live in the body that she currently has and permission to try, um, try some new, some new strategies to begin experimenting with some different things to help her regain that trust in her body and in food again. Yeah, I love that. So those are three really important key things to keep in mind. Flexibility, non-judgmental kind of approaches, and then permission. And something that she wrote in her letter was she was worried about overeating. And she said, Mm -hmm. I quote, since I have read that the way to honor my body is to eat to only eat to exact fullness. And I have to tell you, I have such a big beef with the mindful eating world for that exact reason. Um, you know, mindfulness has this like root in compassion and, um, you know, staying away from judgment. And when we put that with eating, I feel like that's ends up like slipping away for some reason. Like there's just still this judgment. Like if I am being mindful and eat past fullness, I'm doing it wrong. And I, mm-hmm. all the people who are like at the ground level <laughs> with mindfulness would probably be so pissed off that it was being manipulated in that way to be like a shaming experience. And so those three things that you just mentioned, I feel like 
that combined with mindfulness is where I feel like so much healing can be because, yeah, like you also talked about this external versus internal world. And kind of when I was reading her letter, I was like, wow, like she's working so hard to get more internal with her food choices and her respect, but yet that external kind of voice is still louder. And we need to help her get like more connected to that internal kind of voice. And those three key things would help with that because it it would like if she was more compassionate about the and had more flexibility, I think it would kind of quiet that external voice, you know, kind of keep her more in that place of respect and compassion. I don't know if you if you agree. I with agree. That. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I completely agree. And I think a lot of times, like during a person's journey into um, self acceptance and beginning to trust food again, they can have a lot of these automatic negative thoughts come up. Um, and we use that term a lot, like in conjunction with intuitive eating, and um, and those are those thoughts that are. Um, if I eat this, I'm going to end up overeating. And we discount all the other possibilities. You know, maybe you're, you're going to eat this and you're going to feel satisfied and there's going to be a sense of enjoyment accompanied with it and you're not going to overeat. But um, but when we're already swimming upstream and we're beginning in this journey, this process, um, those automatic negative thoughts sometimes just take over and we've got to be able to... Um, to kind of change our self-talk and, and saying, okay, there are some other more realistic possible alternatives than the fact that I'm going to overeat. We talk a lot in our office about, um, this specific analogy. It's called the straw analogy. And I read it in a blog post somewhere. I'm not exactly sure where, but with the straw analogy, um, you're thinking about, or imagining that you had to only breathe through a straw for a certain period of time. Maybe it's all day, maybe it's an hour, um, but the only thing you can breathe through is that small little straw. And then um, imagine that at the end of that day or that time period, you were told you could take the straw out of your mouth. And at that point, you're probably gasping for air and you're so excited that you can finally breathe normally again. And I think a lot of times this happens with our eating. Um, diets teach us to breathe, to eat only, you know, specific amounts and we feel very restrained. We feel very limited, much like a person would if they were only breathing through a drinking straw. But, um, you know, initially when you remove that straw and you start breathing, you're probably gasping for air, but that doesn't last forever. And I, I think that there's a, a parallel with um, regaining trust in ourselves with food. We have to expect that, yeah, maybe initially um, there were some foods that we didn't allow ourselves to have and we enjoy more of those, maybe in larger quantities at first. But you're not gasping for air with that straw forever. And the same thing happens with our eating. Um, it normalizes. And our body is really good at regulating um, how much we eat and, and guiding us if we're really staying in tune with what we need. Yeah. You know, and Blair, this 
I love how you describe the the straw um, experience. And I do something similar with clients or when I do presentations on um, our eating relationship. And I, it's kind of funny to me because I, whenever I, especially when I have other people like breathe through the straw for a while and then they're gasping for air, I'll say something to them because, you know, I'm kind of um, goofy like that. I'll be like, what are you obsessed with air or something? Like, why do you have to be gasping right now? <laughs> I mean, you had plenty through the straw. And no, that's ridiculous. You're not obsessed with air. And the same thing if we like deprived you of water, that wouldn't mean you're de- you were like obsessed with water. No, you're dehydrated. And so when we are, you know, finding this magic bullet with eating, and then like, all of a sudden, we like go to some restaurant or something, and they have um, food that you've been avoiding, and it's just like hard to stop eating. And there's maybe an obsession with it. It's not that they're obsessed with food; it's just that they've been deprived of food. And it's not the food's fault or the person's body. It's like it's just like being human, you know. It's just staying alive. And I'm so glad that you know you've brought to light how this relates to this letter because you know, the more she like thinks about it and then avoids sugar or avoids fat, you know, those are two things that she kind of has as tapes in her her head, the more that her mind and body are going to be thinking about it, especially if she's avoiding it to the point where she's not getting enough of it. Um, So I think that's really important to point out is like, the more like our body just does it, or not our body, but the more our mind just thinks about it, the like more we're going to got to think about it, you know? So the more we trust, the like, the easier it'll be on our noggin anyway. So yeah, so thank you for bringing up that point. I think that's super important and helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no problem. Well, I'm wondering, um, on the show, we have something called a food peace syllabus. And if you're new to the podcast, it's this concise kind of list that often, you know, when you start a new class, you'd get a syllabus and it would give you all the resources you need for that semester. And so if someone is studying a way to relate to food in a more um, health promoting and compassionate way, I'm compiling the syllabus. And Blair, I'm wondering if you have something else that you would like to add to it. I do. I actually have a few different ideas. And I think um, Intuitive Eating um, by Evelyn Triboli and Elise Rush is already on your food piece syllabus. Um, But that was just the first place that my mind went when I was reading this letter um, and thinking about a person regaining trust in their body and trust in food. And I think that's a great resource. Another one would be um, Eating in the Light of the Moon by Anita Johnston. And I just love how she uses metaphors um, throughout her book. And then she relates it back to reconnecting with our bodies and and getting a better understanding of our relationship with food um, throughout, you know, how she's woven the stories in there. And then um, the last one um, that I would recommend would be, uh, it was actually a blog post by a dietitian named Emily Fonsbeck. And she just posted about um, Metabolism 101. And I loved her, her article because it just is a great reminder that our bodies really aren't broken. And that no matter, you know, how much dieting we've done or how many different mixed messages or how much misinformation we've been given, there's, um, 
there's a possibility of recovering um, from that. And she does a great job of explaining how that works in our bodies, you know, on a, a physiological level through talking about metabolism. So I think those are the three that immediately pop into my mind. Awesome. Well, of course, I love all three of those. And the article that you mentioned, you know how on Facebook you can save um, articles now, you know, you can push this little right. save button. And of course I have like a bazillion that I've saved that who knows if I'll read them all, but that's one of the ones that I had saved recently. So I'm so excited that you brought it up because now I'm going to put it in the show notes and that's going to give me the opportunity to like expedite <laughs> to read the actual blog post and, and read more about Emily, what Emily has to say. She is a, a dietitian. I would love to get to know more because I know she does the same kind of work that you and I do, Blair. So um, I'm excited to read that. And so if you're listening and want to read about it, I will have it in the show notes so it'll be easy for you to find. And intuitive eating, you know, I, I wish I could like hand that book to this letter writer. Like I think it's written for her. You know, that is mm -hmm. when they wrote that book, I think they had her in mind because um, I don't know, just every part about the principles and the research that they use, um, I feel like it would really suit what she's needing in her and her brain and her body. And then the last one, the, the Anita Johnson's work and her eating in the light of the moon is probably uh, was a game changer for my work in eating disorders. And I think even the development of this podcast because of her use of metaphor. And um, so yeah, that I'm so glad you brought up that one. I completely forgot about it. So um, it will be also in our show notes. And if, if you're someone that um, maybe is like really stuck with like changing food behavior and feel like you're constantly in your head instead of like connecting to your body and to your soul, I, that is a really good book because it really it kind of I don't want to say it forces you, but it it's the way it's written and it, it kind of puts us in that place where we just are on it, we're in our right brain instead of our left brain. So then it it like gently guides us to more connecting to our body, and that's what's so beautiful about it. So um, I yes. love that. Well, Blair, um, is there a way if people want to learn more about you and the work you're doing in Memphis, is there there a way for them to find you? Yes. Um, they can go to our website. It's memphisnutritiongroup.com. Um, and then they can also find me on um, social media. We have a Facebook page for Memphis Nutrition Group. And then I have my own personal page, Blair Mize RD. And then Instagram as Memphis Nutrition Group and Twitter as um nutrition underscore 901. So lots of different ways that you can track me down and find out kind of what our office is doing here in Memphis. And um, there's also a link to my blog on our website. So oh, cool. um, I love your blog. Your blog is very inspiring. And I think um, those of you listening, I think you'll really connect to her words. I, your yeah, your your blog rocks. So keep doing that, please. <laughs> I love well, it. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it, and I know you have a busy day ahead of you. So I will let you go. But um, yeah, just thank you so much for your insight. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm absolutely loving your podcast, and um, and I can't wait to listen to more. All right, thanks, Blair. All right, thank you. So wanting to trust, I hope we've given you a few places to start as you dig deeper into wanting to trust your body and respect what it has to give to you. With that being said, as you dig deeper and 
as all those old tapes in your head start loudly screaming about all the little do this, do that, and putting food into these these non-existent categories, I hope you have the awareness in the moment, or at least work toward that awareness, to respond with compassion when you notice those tapes. Culturally, they have been put there, and you've gotten lots of, me- lots of messages as you have um, moved through life. And if you can compassionately um, and non-judgmentally be aware of their presence, I know it can help you move forward. So food has written you back, and please keep in touch. Let us know how things are going, and take care. Dear Wanting to Trust, I am sorry many have promised unconditional acceptance with prescriptive eating rules. We know over time, this has made your brain overanalyze food choices and try to put them in incompatible, non-existent categories. Compassionately reconnect your mind and body with permission and flexibility. Without scorning your missteps, you will find you had the footing all along. Love, food. Do you have a complicated relationship with food and want to change? I want to help. Send your dear food letter to lovefoodpodcast at gmail.com. I hope to read about your experiences soon. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is the Love Food series. Have you enjoyed the show, or would you like to give me feedback? I welcome your thoughts. Please give a review in iTunes and subscribe. This type of kindness helps the show continue. You can also tweet me at eatingpermitrd. Take care. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.